create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't uh, take your presence away from me or remove your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and they'll come back to you. You don't desire sacrifice or I would bring it you don't want burnt offerings the sacrifice acceptable to you O oh God is a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart O oh God you will not despise create in me a clean heart Oh God. We're in the middle of a 21-day fast. We're about 10 or 11 days in. And we're focusing on drawing near to God. There are a lot of different kinds of fasts in the Bible. We've talked about that. There are fasts for preparation for a great task. There's fasting for uh, consecration. There's fasting to set people apart for a certain task. Kelly and I were in South Carolina last weekend and we were the guest speakers for all of the South Carolina small group leaders, elders and evangelists coming together. And the theme was on Nehemiah. And of course, Nehemiah begins with a pretty intense fast, with Nehemiah fasting when he hears about how, how the church is doing, how God's people are doing. And um, powerful things happen initiated by that fast and, and by that prayer. Jesus says, uh, we've already talked about, you know, this month, uh, went on a 40-day fast, and there he encountered Satan. It was almost like Jesus was saying, come on, let's just get this thing done right now, me and you. And this morning, we're, we're looking at another fast, a fast of King David that precipitated the writing of this amazing psalm, psalm, psalm 51. That's what we'll be zeroing in on today. We're glad you're here, and we hope you're here desiring a closer walk with God and a clean and a pure heart before Him. We're missing in town. They're having a great service in town, you know, this morning. But, uh, you know, it's a beautiful time of year. It's a little chilly but the ladies look even more beautiful than ever because they got those scarves and that winter outfit on and they're talking to plants. And I mean, it's just really, it's, it's beautiful. The guys look like furballs, I mean, basically. But it's still really good to be here. We've had a little bit of a meditative type service. Haven't been standing a lot there. So stand up and hug somebody and say, welcome to the kingdom of God. Let's have a pure heart this morning. Good old hug. Be nice and warm. 
All right, all right, everybody, have a seat. Have a seat. Give me my full last 18 minutes here, all right? Hey, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the backstory. We know David, right? We, uh, we know a lot of things about him. You'll remember that uh, where he really comes bursting onto the scene is over in 1 uh, Samuel, and King Saul has, has hardened his heart toward God, and the Holy Spirit really has left him. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon you, and sometimes it would leave when God was displeased in your heart. Uh, was disobedient, you know, to him. And Samuel was told by God to go to the household of Jesse and be able to anoint the next future king. And so uh, David has seven brothers. Uh, they, they haven't even thought about David. He's off as a, young, as a young boy, young man out tending the sheep. And the seven brothers come, and the first one is Eliab, and he's tall, and he's imposing like a, a great political figure or, or king might be. And then you know, Samuel says that famous thing in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse, uh, verse 7 where he says, God does not look on what? The appearance, okay? Uh, man looks on, 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 on the outward. God looks on the, in, on the inward and he looks for somebody's heart. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for a good heart. And uh, Samuel says, is, is this the only, is this it? Is this all you got? And Jesse says, well, we got this one kid out tending sheep. He says, bring him here. And, and certainly God reveals to, uh, to Samuel, you know, that this is the one whom God spoke to him about three chapters earlier in chapter 13 when the Holy Spirit, when God told uh, Samuel to tell Saul, you know, God is taking the kingdom from you and he's giving it back or giving it over to one who is a man after his own heart. And in Acts chapter 13, you know, in a great sermon there, Paul reiterates it, that God chose this man because of his heart. He was a man after God's own heart. We know David by a lot of things. We know him as a great king. We know him as the guy who took down Goliath. We know him as that handsome, ruddy guy who played a harp and was a musician and wrote poems. We know a lot of things about him. But what God knew about him was he was a man after his heart. That's what God thought about David and then David actually went back and tended his sheep there and he drew near to God on a daily basis and he wrote psalms and he wrote poems and he uh, he prepared himself for um, for the future uh, this is not working if we can get a little bit of help from the uh, upper room thank you all right, thanks, thanks, guys. You can help advance it for me. We may have run out of battery space. Okay, and you can see that he's preparing himself, you know, here. Now, the next time we see David, he faces Goliath in chapter 17, and an amazing victory is won. And then from there on, it's a great, it's a great upward trajectory for David. And he's out leading the armies of Israel, and they're writing songs about him, about how he slayed his his ten thousands and it's a very strong and it's a very powerful you know beginning you know for him however as we move on into David's life I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to 2nd Samuel now chapter 11 and we'll look in chapter 11 and 12 at this point if this were a movie 
the music would change, the mood would change. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, at the very beginning, it tells us this is the time when kings went out to war. However, David stayed home. And many of you know this tragic story. And David is up as the king on top of his roof, and he's looking out, and he notices a beautiful young woman named Bathsheba. And he looks, and he probably looks away, but then he, he, he looks again, and he, he's fixated on it. Most men and some women know exactly what was going on in David's heart. And then it's, uh, it, it goes on to another level. He says, I'd like to meet her. And he sends an attendant to say, bring her up to see me. And Bathsheba comes up. She's married to one of his mighty men, Uriah. But he pulls him up. He pulls her up, and they end up having sex and uh, it, it, it's, just, it's just another experience for David. He goes on his way. She goes back home. But the problem is she becomes pregnant. And David tries to cover it up. He holds in secret sin. And he ends up trying all these things to cover it up. And some of you know the story. He ends up by basically planning the assassination of Uriah. And this man after God's own heart, he has just done it all. He's lied, he's been deceitful, he's been impure, he's been unfaithful, he's committed immorality, and he's committed murder. And what happened to the guy that was after God's own heart? And you, uh, if we can advance the slide, we get into chapter 12, and there is a, he, David has a prophet. He has a Nathan. Do you have a Nathan? You're going to need a Nathan. Sometime in your life, you might need it this week. And Nathan comes up to him, and he, this, he's an ancient king. He's a king of the, of the biggest you know, dog in the block. And Nathan decides, I'm going to try to come in the back door. He says, I want to tell you a story. You may be open there in chapter 12. And he says, there were, there were two men. There was, a, there was a rich man, and there was a poor man in a certain town. And, and the rich man had lots of flocks and lots of, lots of sheep. And the, the, the poor man... He had one little ewe lamb, and he loved this lamb. He loved the lamb even more than Pam loves her flowers. And, and he would hold her in his arms, and, and he even said the ewe lamb would sleep with him. He was like one of his children. This is what the Bible says. And then when a traveler came into town, this rich man said, sent a messenger, go get that that, that poor man's lamb, and we're going to roast that lamb for dinner, and we're going we're gonna to have a nice little meal with this traveler. And then at that point, David breaks in, if you're looking along and scanning along in chapter 12, and it says, David is incensed. He's angry, and he says, this man deserves to die. And Nathan looks him square in the eye and says, you are the Go to the next slide, or you're following along. Nathan says to David, You're the anointed of Israel. God says, I anointed you king. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. Why do you despise me? And the word of the Lord, by doing what is evil in your eyes, as we go to the next slide, or as you follow along there in your Bible, David immediately knows he, he, there's no place to run. And to this degree, at least he has a heart. Here's the thing, your heart, 
Your heart is the most valuable thing that we possess. Solomon, David's son, said, above all else, do what? Guard your heart because for it flows the wellspring of life. You may have some money. You may have some talent. You may have a job. You may have a, a, a car. You may have a mortgage. Whatever you got, you know, the most important thing you and I got is our heart. It's our heart. It's the essence of David's power and his strength. You know, it's what he had as a young boy. And you know, when we were a young little boy or girl, we, we had an essence. There was a purity about us. There, there was a uniqueness in our, in our God-given design power and influence would flow from that. And it, in becoming a Christian, you try to tap back into that, your true nature and, and all that power and all of that beauty. But sin hardens your heart, doesn't it? You know, like, like coffee stains on your teeth before you could whiten them up, you know, in a synthetic way or chemical way. Your heart is like so important and David's heart is, has gotten hard and, and it's gotten crusty. But not so much where he's past the point of no return. He goes, I know I've sinned. And Nathan says, okay, the Lord has taken away your sin. How do you feel about that, guys? The Lord has taken away your If the Lord can take away his sins, can he take away mine and yours? Even the worst? Yes. Now, here's the issue, though. Even when God takes away your sin, there are consequences. Because there are consequences on us and consequences on other people. That's why the Bible says run from sin. Don't want anything to do with it because of the, the, the pernicious and horrible effects of it. And he says, but because you've had this kind of utter contempt for God, the son who was born to you will die. Now, at this point, David Please with God. He's, he's fasting. Here we're up here, here we're and he's pleading for God to act. You ever been there? You've been there with family, you've been there maybe with your you know with your own heart. We go on to you've been there with family, you've been there maybe with your you know with your own heart. We go on to the next slide. Now, you know, on the seventh day, the baby dies. Up to this point. The people around him have been very concerned about David. They might take his own life. He's not eating. He's, you know, he's, he's in a morose kind of state. You know, David overhears them whispering. Again, I'm summarizing. You've got the slide here. You've got your Bible. We're moving quickly through this this morning. And uh, David overhears people talking, and he, he figures out what has happened. And he said, is the baby dead? And they say, yes, the baby died. David got up from the ground, he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped, and then he went to his own house, and uh, they served him food, and he, he ate. It was the time to be able to get up and, and, and go on the real issue at hand to try to repair his heart. This is the soil, this is the ground that Psalm 51 was created. We'll go on to the next slide, and if you follow along in your Bible, you know, and open it up to Psalm 51, you're going to be able to see the uh, the editors from from quite long ago say this is the psalm that David wrote after his sin with Bathsheba, and here's where it goes, and here's the heart that we're trying to have. David says, "Oh, 
Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, and he will, as far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103. He says, wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. Because I know my transgression, it's always before me. He drops down and he says, you're right in your verdict, and you're justified when you judge. I think a lot of us get here as Christians. We get it. We realize I've sinned, and we realize, you know, we can trust God that he's acting on his promise. When we become a disciple, we respond to the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse away all of our sins. We can trust it. We can believe God has taken away our sins. And yes, whatever I'm going through, you know, it's justified. However, that is very different than getting your heart remade. God can forgive us, but to make us back whole and to make us back pure and clean again, if we can go to the next slide, and here is what David is dealing with. He is going after it, and you can see the intensity in Psalm 51. You saw it, you know, right there in in 2 Samuel chapter 12 as he was pleading with God. There is a time in our life where where our prayers kind of got to look more like this, and they're related not to a sick child getting you know, getting well or a, or a job coming through, you know, but, but just the condition of our own walk with God. If we go to the next slide, here's, here's what David, of course, is praying. Create in me, O God, a clean heart, a pure heart, O God. Give me that willing spirit back. You know, give me that steadfastness back. And I want the joy of my salvation back. And, 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 and please don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, the, the Bible tells us that, I think it may be on the next slide, that when, uh, you know, when David was anointed, what happened is the Holy Spirit came on him powerfully. This is what gives us the power and the vitality and the fruits of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, in our life. It was, it, it was that. If we go on to the next slide, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, where Jesus prophesied he's going to send the Holy Spirit. It has been with you, as it is with a lot of people, as they're in their walk with God and studying the Bible. But he says he's going to be in you, that indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And in the next few verses, talks about not having a hint of impurity. Or, or of greed. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, don't quench the spirit. Go to the next slide. We're back here again. You know, it, it's, it's interesting um, where he talks about don't take your Holy Spirit, you know, from me. I, I had an interesting experience, you know, driving back, you know, from South Carolina. You know, I, ha- I wear contact lenses. I've got kind of a thing called keratoconus where you have to have a hard contact on your eye. I've been wearing them for almost 50 years. And uh, I had an old contact lens in there I didn't realize, and I put it up there when we were at that retreat up in South Carolina, and uh, it was old, and it, it, it wouldn't come off my eye, and it was stuck there for two and a half days, and my eye really got in bad shape. I, I had to wear this patch. I'm still kind of wearing this patch. You know, I, th- I thought it would be a little weird doing it this morning. So anyway, you see me back on with it because it cut the oxygen to my right eye off. For about two and a half days, and that that eye is not in great shape anyway. And it got a real nasty little amoeba. So I'm taking this medicine, expensive medicine, every hour, okay. Uh, and 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 so 
There, there are consequences. If you get oxygen cut off, there are consequences in our life if the Holy Spirit is cut off the vitality in our heart and our life. We shrivel up, and guess what goes? Joy. It goes. We still kind of get through life. We survive. We go through the church. But the joy is gone. <laughs> Restore to me the joy of salvation. You know, the restoration movement is something hopefully we embrace where we're not trying to reform Christianity, but restore that original flow of the Bible and the New Testament Christianity. And we try to have restoration of our heart. And we even have classes and things and, and workshops, you know, on that. And, and, and how about restoring our joy? God can really do that. I mean, I, I've had such a personal experience with this. I've shared this with you in my life, you know, through, you know, through the years. But that definitely happened to me, a great strong start. And then, you know, I got into some impurity and was not open about it. And it led to worse and worse stuff. And actually, to be unfaithful to my wife, you know, I... Uh, even before that, had to get out of the ministry, had a different, you know, just working in the secular world for 10 years, but not just working there, trying to get my heart back. It took almost a decade for me to really get it back because I'd heard it so much and I'd left wake in my own family and my own wife and heart, you know, about, and, and you've experienced something, whether it's smaller or huger than that, on consequences. We, we've all had, so we know what this is like, and you're begging and you're pleading. Uh, you know, that time I went on a 40-day fast after that happened and just drank water and juice for 40 days. Um, I didn't get where David got to. I went to self-pity, and it took me about another eight years to fully get. I want to give you hope out here that you can get it back. Now, some of you, that, there are a handful of you that have a story a little bit like me because you've had some junk in there, in your life, you haven't gotten confessed, you're addicted to some stuff, you know, whatever it is, it's in there, you know it's been ripping you up and possibly for years. At some point, you got to roll here and let God remake you. There are a, a larger number of us that have just kind of lost their joy. <laughs> And that fire of the Holy Spirit and that love that pulsates through and that tremendous amount of joy. And it's like getting, getting into Revelation chapter three, 2 and 3 where you've lost your first love or you've become lukewarm and lost that fire. And so, but you know what it's, what it's, it's just about getting God to work with your heart and letting other trusted people help you out as well. I hope this is coming over as overly positive, dealing with a rough period in David's life, but the beauty of this, as we can go on to the next slide, the beauty of this as we, as we wrap it up, if we can just ask God to give us that broken and contrite heart, he will restore us again. So we go to this next slide and as we conclude. So uh, I want to ask, do you have a password to your heart? Young women, there are guys out there that are trying to hack your heart continually. All of us, guys, their force is trying to hack their way into our heart. Do we have a password for it? Because as Solomon said, what was most important above all else to guard our heart? Flow it from, the, from it flow the wellsprings of life. And so as we, 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 we look at our last slide, hey, join me during the rest of this fast, however you're approaching it. 
by, um, by saying, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a willing spirit in me. Restore to me the full joy of my salvation. Then I can get on to doing the other stuff. God bless you. Amen. Let's thank Tom again. I appreciate your openness, brother, and uh, the way that you've shared. Please be praying for Tom's eye. He has really hurt his eye. And you should probably be wearing that patch. It's okay. It's in style now, I think, to do the patch there. Um, we'll be praying about that. Uh, we're going to sing a song about joy. Uh, we're going to all stand together if we can. And this is a song that says, glory, glory, hallelujah. Uh, no matter where you are in your life, uh, hallelujah is a word that can't be translated. And it just means yes, yay. And uh, the song is talking about his truth is marching on. And so no matter how dark it may seem, uh, to, to pray that prayer, to restore the joy of my salvation, because the truth is marching on. And it's marching on in our hearts. It's marching.